Welcome back to The Drop. This is Michael Saramella here to talk about everything that happened this week in surfing. First and foremost, sorry if the audio gets a little bit weird in this podcast. Um, you know, sometime through me and Buck's chat, my neighbors just decided to start blaring mariachi music, so you might hear a bit of that in the background, but there's still a lot to talk about this week. Another thing to note is that if you want to hear what Stace and I had to say about the upcoming event in Tahiti, which starts today, I believe, you can go back and listen to our last podcast where we talk about picks and predictions. Uh, we do, in this episode, have a little update on the Ethan Ewing situation, which will probably probably make most fans of surfing a little bit sad but on the bright side we have a new episode of stab highway europe presented by monster energy that airs this week we're going to talk about that we also have a stab interview with the recently retired connor coffin we talk about surfline and how the economics of their surf cams work and of course a surf sin so let's drop in all right, Mikey, just because you didn't have time before your little flight or whatever last week doesn't mean uh, you said Timbiso. Is that what you want to do for your, your CS warrior who's below the cut line that you think, I'm not going to let it go? Is Timbiso going to make the CT this year? If not, you have to pick somebody else. Oh, my God. I mean, do I really think Timbiso is going to make it? No. But do I think that it would be the best storyline if he did? Yes. we got to keep it French. we got to keep it underground. I'm, I'm sticking with Tim. Okay. Okay. I have my pick. Clearly, it's Jorgen's year. It's fucking <laughs> Jorgen Kuzinez's year. And, I mean, think about it. We got Ericera and... and Sa- Where's the Brazil one? Is it in Sacarema? Um, I think so. Yes. Yeah, so t- those two events left. It's, it's Jorgen's year. Yeah, we're keeping it French. We're a big French podcast. French and alpine skiing as well. Some P- hey, in the Alps, they combine the two. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Buckley, what else is going on in the world right now? What else is going on in the world? A lot. A lot. So let's get to the topics. Stab Highway Europe presented by Monster Energy Episode 3. Oh, wow. This one, there's a lot going on. Okay. We crossed the border. We got out of our beloved France and into Spain, even though where we spent most of our time is a place where you'd get punched in the face for calling it Spain. We were in the Basque country for much of it, and then we went out to Galicia. But this episode is hot. There's a lot going on, a lot of challenges, um, and some bad haircuts. Hot and cold. It's hot, it's cold, um, and you and I have mangled haircuts throughout it. Yeah, we sure do. The judges, um, the judges took on a new shape and form in this episode. Got a little bit more staunch, you could say. Uh, You'll have to see it to believe it. But the surfers don't seem to be feeling it. I think they're hitting their mid-highway hump. Well, I think, okay, I'm I'm probably specifically speaking to the first half of the episode where we are in the Basque country. We're in San Sebastian, and and we're essentially torturing people. (laughs) Mackenzie Bowden has a moment in it where he talks about how he's just in this place for the first time. San Sebastian for a while... Um, I think it goes back and forth because they change what, with Michelin stars. You know, sometimes you gain one, sometimes you lose one, whatever. But it's, I think, first or second in terms of Michelin stars per square kilometer in Europe. I think at one point it had 19 in that little city. Wow. So it is one of the best just places to eat in the world. And Mackenzie was there. <laughs> <laughs> and he could only eat croissants. Oh my god! And all this food's coming out, and um, 
Yeah, those were some of the points in this that you almost feel guilty. That you're like, oh, this is like this person probably realizes they're in this place. They don't know when they're going to be back. Look how amazing it is. And uh, I'll have a croissant, please. Well, what's worse, eating just croissants or eating an actual penis? They didn't seem to mind the penis. They did. Uh, At no point, (laughs) they were. (laughs) So there is a challenge in here. Uh, You're probably already aware of the eat croissants only for the entire time, which Mackenzie still had going in this app. But one was, is it creadia is the word? Um, yeah, creative. Yeah. And also, if you want to see all the challenges, we just unlocked the Spain challenges on the site. So you can go see those just to see what the surfers, what their options were. And then you can watch the episode to find out what they actually pursued. Yeah. And this was one of them. Yeah. Little giveaway here. Uh, they did go after the Criadia's challenge, which is the testicles of a bull. Um, can be kind of hard to find. Depends on the region. But we allowed, we made the official ruling that a bull penis would also count. And so in this episode, we also see, oh, specify, you had to eat it on a date um, with, a, with a couple. You had to find a couple who would let you sit down, who would welcome you at their table and um, share a dick or a penis with them. <laughs> and this happened. <laughs> I'm not going to say any more, but it, it happened. Yeah. Meanwhile, uh, the production team, me, you, Garrett, Matt, Will, all the filmers. It was it was great. We were enjoying the finest delicacy. We we went out and had these pinchos that were just incredible. You brought me to this cheesecake place that was like nothing I'd ever tasted in my entire. I can never eat cheesecake again. So yeah, San Sebastian is just freaking to die for. It is incredible. There's um I think Anthony Bourdain really likes spending time there as well. And there's a clip I think you can still find it on YouTube or something where he just he pleads for people not to go there because he fears that they'll ruin it. And um, because it's not, it is, I mean, if you go midsummer now, it's pretty fucking crowded. But for a while, it's still just, the heritage is still so there, you can feel it. It's its its own place. And um, yeah, it's special. But uh, Anthony Bourdain said not to go, so you're not allowed to go. Yeah. Well, anyway, the surfers end up getting really cranky with the judges in this episode, probably rightfully so. But to the point where actually my um, my QS career stats get called out. Mm. Um, so if you're <laughs> curious about <laughs> <laughs> how I my do. career on the QS looked. Yeah, you, you can find out. And then this, the episode ends in one of the most exciting. Well, should I give it away or should I just leave it a little bit of it? Let's just say it involves. No, go. You want to give it? Go near it. Go okay. near it. Don't. We won't say who won. I mean, a team gets eliminated, so we're not going to tell you who won, who lost. But All right. we can go well, near it. In Come the, on now. In the northwestern region of Spain, which is called what again? Galicia, right? Galicia. Okay, yeah. so in Galicia, there's something like 234 beaches along a however many kilometer stretch. Like, it's literally just all these little coves. A lot of them have waves, but it's just all these beautiful little beaches that nobody is really ever at because there's just too many of them and no people out there. And what we decided to do is bring in the intrepid Spanish explorer or Basque explorer, Quepa uh, Acero, and we let Kepa go out and pick his own beach where he could go surf all day, hang out, have a picnic with you. And meanwhile, the surfers have to find out where the fuck he is. So over the course of, I don't even know how many hours, Kepa dropped hint after hint to them on the group chat, just slowly <laughs> getting them closer and closer. Um, and it ends up being this incredible race to find Kepa. And uh, yeah, that's how we're going to determine who gets the, uh, the, the region bonus points at the end of this episode and who goes home as well. Oh, I, I love that because... I was just on the beach with him. We were, we were hanging out, drinking wine, surfing. I know you had to go to the starting point of it, which 
is literally called the end of the world. Um, it feels like it out there. Yep. And so I think it was, yeah, if they did it straight, it was what, like a 40 minute drive, but there's just so many beaches. It's fucking impossible. And we were just giving some hints about maybe what direction we were standing and Hey, maybe there's something over here to look at. But, um, and it's not like there's like a coast highway where you're just like on one road and you just like, no, see the beaches. Like, no, every road is like all these twists and turns. And it was so funny. We had all the different teams up on our phone. We had them, we had them sharing their location. So we just see them going in all these different directions. <laughs> Most of them incorrect. And yes, it was just fucking, they were so mad at the end of this as well. I've never seen surfers so rattled by a challenge. Like I didn't think this one was going to be that bad but they were absolutely freaking in tatters after this oh they hated it they hated it which is why i loved it because i was just i mean i've known kepa from before this and so we were just catching up you know we had a little picnic and it was so funny just knowing that people around us were just livid and uh, not at him because he was just a guy that showed up to have some fun mostly at me i'd imagine but uh i was happy to to cop that and eat some grapes all right so stab highway europe episode three the spain episode presented by monster energy is now live on the site go and get it go oh and episodes four and five yes there's a fifth episode we already made the full decision uh they'll be dropping every thursday uh until so what this one drops on the 10th then the 17th and then i guess that would be the 24th always at 5 p.m. PST on stabmag.com and the Stab Premium app, which is available on all the app things. So go get it there. Go get it there. And one last hot tip for the listeners here. We didn't get much swell for this segment of the trip, but we did write some challenges in that I don't think anybody really did because they were surf-based. They were kind of trying to get people to certain beaches. But there is a lot of coastline between San Sebastian and Galicia. And... Don't want to give anything away, but that is one of my favorite parts of the world. So if you ever find yourself in that area, don't think you just have to spend time in Hossegor and San Sebastian, even here in Portugal. Um, Don't overlook it. I'm not going to spoil it, but fuck, there's some beautiful places out there. The Stab interview. I haven't done my best surfing yet. This is from the recently retired Connor Coffin. Connor retired from competitive surfing at the u.s open he's 30 years old he first qualified for the ct in 2015 Um, in this interview he even says that a high point for him was finishing fourth in 2021 and then shit got pretty weird uh one minute you're in that like first ever wsl finals you finish fourth it's pretty good five minutes later you're kicked off tour um got pretty weird there for a moment and I want to just go straight to it. The stuff that he says about Eric Logan here is pretty gnarly. Really gnarly. Yeah, it's like it's it's not the the mid-year cut thing and like after after you said the WSL finals like yeah, that would be weird for anybody. But Connor was in this really weird space where he was also the surfers rep. So he's supposed to be the bridge between the surfers and the WSL. Whereas the WSL is doing something that none of the surfers want, and he also happens to be on the chopping block, so he has this weird like bias and connection to it as well. And it sounds like Eric Logan basically blamed him for the surfers revolting. Yeah, which is so hectic. You like the whole petition thing he mentions is yeah, it sounded like Eric was like taking it really personal, coming at Connor, and yeah, like he said, even blaming him for it, which I'm just gonna spout some conspiracy here, like I think when you get that to that level, 
you know that being a dick isn't like the best way to operate. Like, I don't think you get like to be in that position for most uh, CEO without like being aware of how to make people want to work with you or for you or in any way just collaborate with you. Um, I, I think there's like, was that a tactic? Like my read on that is, I wonder if that was a tactic in his head to just be like, oh, if I, maybe I can make Connor feel this way and that'll change the outcome. And it did change the outcome because Connor quit right after that quit being the surfers rep so that was just really weird i just can't help but think that when when somebody that's had that much success in life is like that rude to somebody that it's not like intentionally manipulative am i am i getting too deep here mikey no i, th- I mean well to your you made the point about ceos having to have a sense of awareness when it to get to that level in life and i think that they do and i actually do think that part of that awareness is knowing when to be a dick and who to be a dick to because I think a lot of the times you need to be a dick at some point to to get where you're going. But yeah, it just seemed like uh, this was maybe maybe not the moment for it. So I think Elo might have uh, made a bad call there. And maybe a few other bad calls along the way, considering what ended up happening to him. So we know that nobody's perfect. And um, I'm sure Elo was doing his best with what he thought was right in the world. But yeah, this one um, didn't really play out in his favor as you have your surfer rep quitting. Which... To be fair, I guess technically they'd have to get a new surfer rep the next year anyway, considering Connor was falling off the tour. But yeah, it's just, it's interesting and also connecting it to like recent events too. You just start to like think a little bit more about what's actually going on inside WSL HQ. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, that, that's not, I know it went straight there. I was like a moth. It was like a flame. I liked it. But Holden and Connor talked for a while and they spent a lot of topics. One of my favorite questions I think in here, question and questions and answers is when Holden asked them about the difference between QS or CS and CT surfers. Um, Connor made the point that he thinks he surfed one heat on the Challenger series last year where the waves were bigger than chest high and how when you get onto the CT, it's a lot more meat and potato surfing that gets the scores. So I thought that was really interesting here i mean something that we're all somewhat aware of but to hear it straight from somebody who's actually experienced it rather than somebody yelling from the sidelines really interesting um i thought the question about holden asked about how he kind of feels if he, is he happy with how he went and he kind of mentions the fact that adriano has similar surfing to his own and was able to win a world title so he thinks about that a bit but but he also said that he thought that he pretty much reached his potential which is a really good feeling because i mean realistically there are only so many like john johns in the world or freaking mozarts or michael jordans or messies or whatever like we can't all be that person so to do what connor did with like the gifts that he was given you know through nature like he went and I, i mean this started from early in his career like he came onto the scene by winning the nssa open boys title in 2005 he was pretty much unknown coming up against guys like Kalohan Dino, Evan Geiselman, Luke Davis, like kids that were like the it kids back then. You know what I mean? So he's always been, I think, a bit of an underdog in terms of external expectation. But he said that he had a lot of expectation for himself, and that's really what drove him. And you can see what that can get you with just a lot of like dedication and hard work. You get to number four in the world, which is interesting because it's the same high point that Dane Reynolds reached with probably the opposite equation like Dane was just pure raw talent that 
he maybe didn't put that much focus into the competitive side of things, but they basically both felt that they reached their own potential through their own avenues. And I think that that's kind of like a cool place to, to leave your competitive surfing career and now move into the next chapter. Yeah. And with that next chapter, I mean, he's just going to free surf. He's just signed some new deals with Salty Crew and Body Glove. So he's five-year deals, I heard. Five-year deals. He's going to Burning Man. He's going to Burning Man. Um, and then, I mean, he said he wants to go. He spent a lot of time in Fiji. And then him at J-Bay, I think anybody's going to watch no matter what. Like, it's just like if you see Connor Coffin at J-Bay, you're like, okay, I'm immediately going to watch this. This is this – is... I still remember Highline. Exactly. that Black Beauty poetry yeah it's like it's not a thing that you question like oh is this gonna be good so he goes back there guaranteed a lot of people are watching that edit um but one interesting one he threw out there is ireland and how fucking trending hilariously is that place ireland and chile right now are hot they are so they are the coldest hot places um i just think it's hilarious they've had incredible waves for so long and both of them just kind of their own little scenes and now every edit it's just this uh you got to get some ireland or chile in there so okay i've got a prediction the new hot hot place and this is based on a story that's going to be coming on stab premium soon india Ooh, i'm just saying it i'm laying it out there india is going to be the new hot surf destination okay i mean sure Uh, let's we'll, we'll discuss we'll discuss we'll discuss when the story comes out um interesting i like the bold claim though i don't i don't have uh i don't have a hot hot place i think that if if you if it's constantly good and warm uh it's already blown out that's kind of my belief otherwise there you have random places that sometimes go off and you need the right swell angle and blah 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 and it's hard to get to but i think most places that are easy to get to have constant waves and are pretty good and warm it's over all right well i think the people in india are laughing at you right now buck but anyway stab interview with connor coffin is on the site and let's hear a little bit from connor did you ever feel like you could win a world title during your career um i don't you know i'm not gonna say no but i just was never i don't know if i believed it as much as i needed to to make it happen you know like i've always really i don't know like i growing up in santa barbara was like so frowned upon to be like cocky (laughs) and uh i think i let that sometimes you know maybe there was like a fine line where i could have been a little bit more confident without being cocky um because i think at the end of the day on the ct like you really really any and i'm sure in any sports like you gotta believe you can or else it's not gonna happen so um yeah i mean i don't know I think I could have if everything went perfectly. You know, like Adriana won a world title, and like that's he wanted doing the same sort of surfing that I could have won a world title doing. You know? Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting for sure. I mean, you gotta freaking want it, you gotta believe it, and you know, you see a lot of people too. It's like they kind of have an entourage around them telling them that they're the best guy. You know? And I think that. For better or worse, you know, it all some obviously there's price negative that comes with that, but it plays into that like mindset of fuck yeah, I can win a world title. You know, I'm the guy. I I definitely never had that. <laughs> I also didn't I didn't want that either, you know? Like that just wasn't how we rolled around here. Big surf cam doesn't want you to know. All right, straight into the comment of the week. This is from Kama Aina, who said, you get more waves if you don't check the cams. 
um, there's different ways to interpret it. One is just the level of like, if you look at the cams, you might decide not to surf and then you actually don't get more waves. I'm kind of looking at it through like almost like a superstition lens. Like it's still kind of naughty to look at a surf cam, but either way, I like the comment. It was, uh, it was funny and I think there's some truth to it. So now the actual story, big surf cam, AKA let's pretty much just say Surfline because they have the biggest global network of cams. They have 900 and there's different, like I think you might experience it living where you do. I certainly have living over here. There are different sites that have cams that aren't Surfline, um, at least over here that have some of the same cams, some different cams. So they're not the only player in this game. But this story breaks down how that game of surf cams work because you may have noticed you either need to pay a subscription or you get slapped with an ad every time you go to check one. So we had old Christian Bowcut break it down, didn't we? We sure did. And yeah, it's, it's a really interesting piece that gets into the nuts and bolts of uh, surf cams. He actually talks to a major person at Surfline who gives away a fair amount of detail, which is really cool. But to me, this is like, Christian specifically doesn't get into this around like the morality of surf cams. And I don't really want to either, but I will say that we're all so hypocritical. Like we're all so happy to go and look at surf cams wherever it suits us. Or like, even like just around the world, sometimes we like to be voyeurs, right. And just see what's going on at Chopo or pipeline or whatever, just cause it's like fun to watch someone get blown out of a barrel and freaking 10 p. But if you asked anybody who lives in a place that's not already blown out, if they want to surf cam at their home break, the answer is like a definite no, right? Does, does anybody else, do you think anybody feels differently than that? No, I, yeah, nobody wants to surf cam there. Like <laughs> there's, there's very, if you live close enough to it, or at least if you haven't figured out enough to be able to be like, okay, it's definitely gonna be on this day and nine times out of 10, you're right. Then no, you don't want that. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I think we talked about it last year, but it definitely happened to one of my home breaks in New Jersey last year. And I kind of moved away from there after that. So I'm not sure if it's had a major impact on crowds or whatever, but just the concept of it really pissed me off. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's like, I don't know if you don't have a Surfline account, like kind of what are you doing? I guess like if you can't beat them, join them is kind of my theory. It's pretty much the only surf subscription that I pay for, which by the way, I just found out that I'm paying $100 a year for it. And right now they're selling it for $50. So, uh, oh, really? Yeah. Hey, I know. How much is there? They must be charging my dad like 300 There's so <laughs> many of us on there. But like, okay, so surf cams to Christian's point, they basically, and maybe um, also to the commenter's point, they basically, their main function is to allow you to get more sleep. Because I live a three-minute walk from the beach right now, and I still, the first thing I do when I wake up is I check the surf cam. Like, I'm not going to get all the way out of bed and walk down and look at the ocean when I can look at the ocean from my phone in my bed and determine if it's worth waking up. Um, so it, it's just a, it's a valuable service. There's nothing more pathetic than when other people are waiting for you to respond and you're going off the cam. That's That's always just a really pathetic, unless it's like, Oh no, the wind was supposed to switch and it didn't. Um, if it's like, oh, it still looks kind of fun and you like make the decision and it's one thing if it's on your own, I think, but when you have friends on the line that are going to like pick you up or not, that's just, it's such a pitiful, pathetic place to be in life. Um, anyway, Michael, you mentioned that they put a cam at a wave that you like recently 
And allow me to borrow from Christian Boca here and explain how that worked. Surfline pays a camera host a monthly fee to place a surf cam on their property. Surfline owns the camera and has exclusive rights to the stream unless otherwise specified. If the camera host is a business, there's usually some type of advertising rights involved as well. So basically they find the ways that they want to have cams at and work out a deal with you know, a homeowner or a business there. And that's that. 95% of their streams are from operations they own and operate. But there are some five there are some five percenters out there. I think a lot of cams like say you're like a you work for like a tourism board of a small town or you own like a little beach cafe that overlooks the water. You could just buy a decent cam for like two hundred bucks, slap it up there, and then make people want to come to your town or to your restaurant because they see that it's a beautiful day out front and if they're a surfer they see there's fun waves. So a lot of those cams exist like like that out there. Surfline does stream some of them. Like I know some of them here in Portugal that are like that. Um, and so I just want to say, if you're a pirate like me and you're still dodging the, if you haven't gotten to my dad's account yet, I don't know, send me an email. Maybe I'll let you on if it's funny enough. But if you do your research, sometimes you can find cameras for free from other pirates. So don't overlook the stream of pirate surf cams out there. Okay, Buck, I have a question. So you live within view of the ocean. Not quite beachfront, but basically beachfront. How much would you charge Surfline to put a camera on your place per year, say? I, they'd have to give me 500 people on my dad's account. <laughs> Is there a limit currently? I don't know. I've tried to find it. We're pushing for it. I see even somebody got in there. Byron Bay shows up now. So somebody, <laughs> there's some new cowboy nice. in there. I know I didn't add that to the favorites, so we're we're a global team. It's people from across the world. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I I I would be more concerned about principle than than money. And um, I don't know. The way about friends pretty average, but I do like surfing it alone. Come find me if you want a free code. All right, but what's the number? Like two grand, five grand, ten grand. Give me like. 300 bucks and I'll you, you get the cam. You're you, cheap. Put, I'll let you put one in I'll let you put one in my bedroom for 600. <laughs> There's websites for that too, buddy. One last one last story before we go. Mikey, we're not getting out of here. One last story before we go. I have a friend. <laughs> I have a friend who once stole a surfline camera. <laughs> like the physical camera. <laughs> yeah, they put one up in his town and so him and his friends got together and they got this camera. And um I think it was a small town and there was already some people like talking about resisting the camera. So they quickly figured out who had the camera and they were nice enough to let him like just kind of drop it back off for free. But um, <laughs> I had a friend who stole a surf on camera. You can do it. It's a, it's, it's a course of action you can take. To my knowledge, uh, <laughs> I got 0-1 in terms of people who pulled him off, but he had it in his possession. I saw a photo of it. <laughs> Ethan Ewing fractures L3 and L4 vertebrae, pulls out of Chopu. Uh, I think Ethan Ewing is the most universally liked surfer at the moment. I don't think there's anybody in the world who's like, oh, no, I'm not really into his surfing. Uh, all of Brazil? Even, no, there's some nice guys in the in the comments that get in there and be like, I still like this guy. It's cry is free, but I like him. 
Um, <laughs> which means it is bad news for most people who are not from that Southern American nation. He's officially out of Chopu, and things don't look great for the finals. Um, most spinal fractures heal in around three months. September 8th is the WNL finals, so yeah, this sucks. It really sucks. I mean, Chopes, whatever, for Ethan, like he's probably not the person that you first think of, but he's done so much great work this year, especially in the back half of the season. He had that semifinal at Surf Ranch, second in Brazil and J-Bay. He's already cemented himself in the top five, so he's got a spot no matter what. He's also got an Olympic spot no, no matter what, so he's covered there. But the idea that he's not going to get a chance potentially to compete at lowers for the world title, it is pretty depressing. At this point, he was three heats away from a world title. As long as things didn't shake up too much in Tahiti, he's in second now. And so he would have had to beat Felipe twice and whoever comes from behind him in the other side of the draw. So that's crazy to think that that's how it would happen. I mean, if it's small lowers, I probably wouldn't put my money on him over Felipe, but if there's proper swell and just those long grinding rights, it'd be a fucking heat. And uh, if Felipe lost that, I think uh, the South American, uh, that wouldn't go well on the Instagram, would it, Mikey? But um, uh, Certainly not. I think for everybody else, it would have been incredible because to watch them in like solidly overhead, consistent lowers, Fuck, that would be great. Two very different styles of surfing. Now I'm just going, now I'm just like reminiscing, but it hasn't happened yet. I'm just getting all, all weird and sad. Um, break the news about the four person, potential four person, actually not even potential if Ethan doesn't show up, but we could have a four person WSL finals, can't we, Mikey? Yeah, so we asked the WSL explicitly if Ethan is unable to compete in lowers, will the sixth place surfer get a start? in lowers because it's supposed to be the final five and the WSL said no there will not be an additional person added if Ethan is unable to compete therefore the men would just have a top four which as you said with the diagnosis seems unlikely I also I um I fractured my L2 vertebrae however many years ago and I was out of the water for two months and then couldn't really properly surf for at least another month month and a half so I don't know exactly what his condition is. Uh, we don't have the full diagnostics, but it does not sound good. Hoping that somehow he's there September 8th, but uh, based on that type of injury, it does not look good. What else we got, Mike? You want to talk about some feet? We got all the feet stuff going on right now. We got we got a foot thing in Highway, and now we've got John Florence gets his first shoe sponsor in a very long time. And it turns out they're not even really shoes. Um, it's by a company called Vivo Barefoot. And they make shoes that are supposed to basically just be, yeah, less of this like kind of foot encapsulating thing and more of like an extension of your feet. So you see them, they look interesting. They're not like a standard shoe, but they're supposed to make you more mobile, more active. And that's pretty much what John John's all about. Oh, yeah. The foot boys are on the site. We got the farm boys on the site. A little edit from Patagonia. We've got that short film from Mystic called Boundless Waters. Some Morgan Masson stuff we've been talking about. And life's pretty good on the site. Um, you could still get in and look at our Tahiti preview. You mentioned Ryan Miller before. He wrote that. We've got some Tahiti betting picks. Um, I'm going, Gabe. I'm trusting our boy. And we've got a lot more coming on the site. Mikey, what do we got? 
Yeah, so we got a story on the UAE, the United Arab Emirates surf scene, which is relevant because of that pool that's popping up outside of Abu Dhabi. So we talked with somebody who's been a part of the surf scene over there in the UAE for a long time and kind of about how the pool might play into that. We've also got a story coming about surfboards. Holden broke down kind of what people tend to buy in terms of custom versus stock, EPS versus PU, and then we go into the reader survey where we get people's responses about these things as well. But for now, I believe it's time for a surf sin. Ooh, let's hear it. Give me my penance for I have sinned. Um, so... It's a bit controversial. I think probably happens to a lot of people, but um, I just hate when I go to the beach and I start judging everyone, trying to figure out who's a cook. Um, just hating random people for being there, being at the beach. I just want it for myself. I think it's the years of surfing that did this to me. Um, it's very bad. I feel like shit when I do it, but in a way, I think I I cannot escape it. Um, I don't know. Give me your thoughts and give me your penance. Bye bye. Oh yeah, this is um, this man's not alone in feeling this, is he? I mean. Yeah, I'd say that this is almost like a rite of passage of surfing. Yeah, yeah. I believe I've said on this very program, if you don't hate somebody else in the water, you'll just end up hating yourself. (laughs) Um, This applies here, I think. (laughs) All right, so um, it's it's funny. Like, his tone in this is, like, truly sad about himself, like, remorseful that he feels this way, and you can tell that it, like, really hurts him to feel this way, but he just can't help it. Like, he literally says... This is the most like dire statement I've ever heard. And I don't know if he's German, but he sounds German. And it's just such a German thing to say. He just says, I cannot escape it. And um, he cannot escape it. And I, I believe this is a hunch, but I'm just in the video. I think he's at a surf camp of some of some sort. It looks like a small room with a very high roof. And I just don't think many people live in places like that. I think it's more likely that he went on a surf trip and found himself in some bungalow of sorts. Um, don't know where, somewhere tropical, just a hunch. So I think he must have just experienced that. It's fresh, and that's why he's like, oh, man, I probably went on this trip to be all happy, and I get here, and everything is good, but I just hate every other person. Um, so I, I, I'm going out on a limb here, but that's what I think is happening. Okay, well, there were some good responses on Instagram. Of course, when we post these on our Instagram, people can give their own penances. Um, one story that stood out to me was from underscore H Void, who we've talked about before in this podcast, and he gave a nice little anecdote. He said, I once surfed Southside HB Pier and saw an older fellow barking at another surfer. Taylor Pye paddled straight up to the aggressor, sat on his board, looked him dead in the eye, and gave him the most sincere, I love you, I've ever heard. The dust-up completely settled. Wow. So he says, your penance is to do whatever it takes for someone to tell you that they love you in the water. Give up waves, <laughs> tell people that they're ripping, whack someone's board for them, whatever it takes. I like that, but, like, you know how when somebody's, like, 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 you can sense desperation sometimes. You know, if somebody's, like, single and they don't want to be single, it's just, like, you can sense mm. their desperation and nobody wants to go near them. Um Having that in the ocean of somebody who's just desperately craving your love, that would be interesting, but uh, I back that one. 
Um, maybe a way to combine those things. The one I liked was Wales underscore four underscore wind. He just said, get some more magic mushrooms in your diet and problem solved. I like the idea of this guy just being um, yeah, tripping the whole time. And then maybe someone will tell him he loves him there. Or at least if not, he can kind of imagine it. Uh, maybe something inanimate will tell him that he loved him. Never rule that out. So, Yeah, there was also a comment that I wanted to call out from John Jewett81. He says, coming from skateboarding, I've found the surf community to be completely unwelcoming. How is anyone supposed to learn? John, you're not. If you have to ask that question, you clearly should not be learning surfing at this stage in your life. So just stick to skateboarding, maybe maybe pick up snowboarding, maybe inline skating or something like that. But it sounds like surfing is not for you. Buck, do you have a penance for our sinner? I do, but it's a tricky one because, like, like I said, if you don't hate somebody else in the water, you just end up hating yourself, like not hitting somebody else it just gives you nothing to focus on like then you're gonna be like you're all of a sudden gonna come to the realization that the 800 dollars surfboard you just bought doesn't make you surf any better or really bring you any more happy it just will be very sad so you have to have these other stupid things to focus on to keep you away from that um i've mentioned it again before but like michael jordan for example would play these mind games in his head he would make up stories in his head about other people talking shit about him so you play harder i'm all for that kind of thing um but I guess, yeah, I see it from the side of, like, surfing is the thing that we're supposed to be doing for pleasure. We're there to extract the most amount of pleasure possible. Let's let's not, you know, let these stupid little things take away from us. So I'm kind of on that Taylor Pie program. It's going to be a little bit simpler. Um, I think he needs to compliment five people, but not their surfing, not like, hey, that was a cool turn, man. Or even a board. I think he has to compliment either a traction pad or a leash to five different people within the next month. Um, ideally, the leash. Ideally, I'll let him go three leash, two pads. But, um, you know, that's a decision people have to make, and it's something they rarely get positive feedback on. So I think he should be out there fighting the good fight for the for the hardware. But compliment them, like, with sincerity, you mean? Because it would be really easy to go. Absolutely yeah. genuine. Yeah, absolutely, Jenna. Be like, hey, whoa, that's the new that that FCS Freedom Leash. Sick, yeah, or maybe man. like pad placement would be one that would feel a little bit more realistic because putting a pad on a board, like it's just it's instant fear. And I think if somebody was validated in the way that they'd placed their pad, they'd feel a lot better about themselves. Yeah, yeah. So go out there and compliment the places that people ain't ever complimented. Okay, that's my opinion. All right. Well, you went. The, the positive route for other people, I'm going to go the other direction. I'm going to go the negative route for him because, as we said, hating someone in the lineup, it's just kind of like it's a part of surfing, but it also it requires a certain sense of like ownership and kind of superiority, I suppose, is really what it comes down to, which means that you've been doing it for a while and you feel really confident and, and whatnot. But the reality is, if you feel that way about surfing, there are certainly other aspects of your life and other, you know, activities where you are not that person, right? You can't be the expert in everything. And there are probably a lot of places that you go that whether you know it or not, people are judging you for the way that you do things because it's, you know, culturally uncouth. So I want you to really experience this to the fullest extent and like just soak in that feeling of people are judging you where's he going the supreme court <laughs> worse he's going to go to one of the most judgmental places on earth which is a cheesesteak shop or stand in philadelphia maybe gino's or pat's 
And I want you to go and, you know, he, he sounds European to some extent. I thought maybe German, maybe not. But I would assume he has no idea the proper way to order a cheesesteak. You're not allowed to Google it. You're not allowed to even like really pay that close attention to people in front of you in line. You just have to go up there and do your best to order a cheesesteak at one of these traditional Philadelphia cheesesteak shops and just soak in that embarrassment. Yeah, no, that's real. I, I once heard a story about somebody trying to order an espresso at like a traditional or just like a, you know, Jersey deli. And the guy called a chef from the back out to come look and laugh at the guy. <laughs> True story. Oh, man. Yeah, so where Buck and I grew up, it's, um, yeah, you get judged a way less about your surfing ability than you do about your navigation of meat and cheese uh, shops, basically. So we're going to have to let you deal with that. I don't know if you're going to the East Coast anytime soon, but this, you know, you can do this when you're 60. Just whenever it makes sense, you have to go to Philadelphia and just live in that moment and feel the judgment and the stares and the laughs. I love it. Enjoy your cheesesteak, brother. Thank you, as always, for listening to The Drop. If you have a surf sin of your own, send them to michael at stabmag.com or buck at stabmag.com. Film them vertically on your phone. Keep them 60 seconds or less. And if you get selected to air on this podcast and Stab's Instagram, you will win a free year of Stab Premium on us just for sharing your sin. And we'll give you a penance, of course. Next week, there's a lot going on. We'll probably see Tahiti finish before the next time that uh, this podcast finishes. So, yeah, I guess we'll be talking about that and everything else that happens in the world of surfing. So, until then, over and out.